Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. It's the show where we talk all things transportation, anything that can get you from here to over there, whether it's your feet, a train, a plane, a boat, a dinghy, um, scooter. I'm running out of things to get you from here to there. I'm the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber, and my usual co-host, Joseph Peters. He is still missing. Not like he's on a milk carton or anything. Uh, you see, he we usually would tape this show at about 9 o'clock on Wednesday mornings. And that wasn't a problem for him since he lived downtown about two blocks from the station here. But recently he moved out to Lakewood, which is over on the west side of Metro Denver. And he doesn't drive yet nor have an extra car to come in and record the show. See, he also has an evening job. He is now the evening show executive producer and usually works till about 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night. And so he would just come in here uh, early in the morning because it was just a quick walk for him. And then he would just walk back home and do whatever he does for the day and then come into work around, what, 2.30 or so, something like that. So that's why he's actually been missing for the past month. He moved. Um, He has hinted to me that he would like to come back to the show maybe by the first week of June because I was uh, telling him about what's coming up on the show over the next couple of weeks just to keep him informed, just to keep him updated of what's what's happening while he's away. So I guess if he shows up in June, great. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But he's not here now. And that, well, I guess is a problem for me and for some others maybe who like Joseph. I like Joseph. I think he offers great stuff for the for the show, and it's nice to have someone to bounce topics and ideas off of and have a different perspective on life and transportation and all that kind of stuff. That's why I like having Nicole sit in, but she's out gallivanting at some story somewhere or, or buying food for some other story. Actually, I think she was doing some story about laundromats. She was asking about that. So anyway, she, she's not here, so she can't be here with me. So as the saying goes in show business, the show must go on, and so it does. It is going on right now without everybody, and it's just me here. Uh, but I do have some interesting uh, topics to talk about and some interviews to share with you today. I would I would love to have my old partner back, but and of course he's welcome to, to come back whenever he figs out, figures out his, his transportation uh, uh, delivery system, whether it is a scooter or his feet or the RTD train or the buses or, or even a car, whatever. But uh, in just a bit, I'm going to speak with Josh Frisbee. Josh is the owner of the website. It's called electricscooterinsider.com. And Josh is going to tell us why he thinks it's better to actually own a scooter rather than just rent one every time you want to ride one pick it up and rent it and drive it for a few minutes and then leave it on the sidewalk for somebody else to trip on. As an added bonus, Josh is from London, and I have set up an internet phone line to make sure that the call goes through. We'll, we'll see how it goes. This is going to be the first time I've tried it. It's it's I'm using the WhatsApp app, so we'll see how that works. Um, it could be great or it could be terrible. I'm hoping for great. I'm anticipating great, but... You never know with technology how it's going to go. Well, anyway, that's coming up in just a bit. Also coming up, maybe if she remembers, I might have to text her 
to give her a, a reminder. But Lisa Hidalgo, she is our morning show meteorologist. She uh, received a Facebook message that involves me and a nickname that she uses for me. So I thought it was a, it, it, yeah, it's not quite transportation, but I, I think it's actually kind of funny. So uh, it's just a, it's just a good example of some of the emails and comments and messages we get from the viewers of our Denver 7 morning show on a regular basis. And it's uh, also good to just to catch up with Lisa and see what she's doing. By the way, today actually happens to be my 13th anniversary of working here at Denver 7 News. And so I have that going for me, which is nice. It's the longest place I've ever worked. Uh, the former longest place was 850 KOA Radio. I worked there for 10 years. Uh, so basically, in the last 23 years, I've had two jobs. One at KOA Radio and the other one here. And so I plan to stay for another at least two or three years. Well, I've always said in this business, today could be my last day. And I pretty much live by that mantra where today it could be my last day. You never know. Even if you have a contract, like we all, we, we on air people all have a contract that uh, goes for a certain number of years. And uh, they then the company says, well, it could, could be a year or it could be two or three or, or whatever. But again, it could be a day. You never know. But I, I, I just live on this, uh, you know, paranoia. That today the company's going to figure out that that you know I, I, I'm you know on me and they're going to say you know what I I think you're just going to have to go away sir this is just not working out for us and we're going to go a different direction um, thankfully that has not happened yet my family is is grateful and and super thankful and I, as am I that I still have gainful employment so so we have that going for us but uh, hopefully Lisa and I, I mentioned that too because Lisa and I I started. Here in uh, May 1st of 2006, and Lisa started about six months after me and then joined the morning show not too long after that. So I think Lisa and I could be the longest traffic weather team. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we are in Colorado. I know we are in Denver. We're the longest traffic weather team of any TV radio station in Denver, and I'm sure in Colorado as well. But I, I would put us up against any long-running traffic weather team in the country. I, I don't know if there is one that is longer lasting than Lisa and myself because we have at least 12 years, probably 12-plus years together. Uh, we've known each other for way longer than that, uh, back probably 25 years. So it's uh, it, I, I think we, we might have to investigate that record and see if it is some kind of a record. If anybody knows of a longer-running traffic and weather tr uh, team on radio or television, then let me know. You can always uh, send me a Twitter message at Denver7Traffic. You can always email the show at drivingyoucrazypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So anyway, Lisa, hopefully you'll be coming up in just a little bit uh, and explain here about this message that, that she got. But first, you can usually tell if you have a flat tire on your car, right? It feels a little spongy. It feels like there's something wrong with your car as you're, as you're driving it. Well, Anthony Smearden, he insisted that he had no idea that the rear wheel fell off his 2008 Ford Explorer he was driving during a snowstorm. Unaware that he was driving with only three tires, Anthony was finally stopped by a Plaistow, New Hampshire police officer who noticed the problem. 
Anthony told that officer he thought something might be dragging, but the SUV didn't drive like it was missing a tire, adding it actually drove better than a flat. Police estimated that Anthony drove anywhere from one to two miles with the missing tire, which was found back on Main Street. To make matters a bit more complicated, Anthony said he didn't own that vehicle. He was actually using the Explorer to pick up the owner's son. Yeah, likely story. The vehicle just recently had both tires replaced and some work done. He said the mechanic has already apologized for that tire problem. I I hope he just didn't apologize and offer to do some extra repairs for free and maybe do a lifetime supply of oil changes for that guy. So here's a story that I haven't had time until now to get to, and it's pretty interesting, and it could have ramifications across the entire country. Now, recently, a federal appeals court ruled that chalking a tire on a parked car is unconstitutional. They say it's a violation of your Fourth Amendment right. Your Fourth Amendment deals with search and seizure. And this case was brought by Allison Taylor. She's a woman in Michigan who the court described as a frequent recipient of parking tickets. She got a lot of parking tickets and wasn't very good at finding legal places to park. Well, the city of Saginaw, Michigan, like countless other cities around the country, they use, they use chalk to mark the tires of the cars to enforce time limits on parking. I'm sure you've seen the parking officers take a piece of chalk either on their hand or they have a stick with the chalk at the end. And they hit the tire with a little line, and that way the officer knows how long that car has been there or if it's moved at all. So when they come back around, they could write a ticket. Well, by the time that Miss Taylor received her 15th citation in just a few years, she decided to go after the city and specifically after a specific parking officer. That's parking officer. Her name is Tabitha Hoskins. Now, Allison, the illegal parker, she alleged in her lawsuit that Tabitha, the parking enforcement officer, was a prolific chalker. (laughs) Prolific chucking. That she was basically the Peyton Manning of parking chalk. Now, I don't think that Tabitha ever yelled Omaha every time she chalked a car, but you you, you never know about these things. Every single one of the 15 tickets that Allison received over the years was issued by Miss Hoskins after she marked a tire with chalk and then would circle back to see if that car had moved and the excessive chalking, Allison argued, was unconstitutional. So Allison's lawyer said trespassing upon a privately owned vehicle parked on a public street to place a chalk mark to begin gathering information to ultimately impose a government sanction is unconstitutional under the Fourth Amendment. Now, that does make sense after looking at it, because I was first thinking about, when I when I read the, the very beginning part of, of the stories of this topic, and I thought, what, what why is it unconstitutional? How, just drawing the line of chalk on there, how is that just unconstitutional? But apparently, since the parking officer has to touch the privately owned vehicle, to make the mark, that's what makes it a Fourth Amendment violation. They're actually touching the vehicle. Judge Bernice Donald, he wrote for the panel saying that chalking the tires is trespassing 
and it should require a warrant. A court decided that chalking a tire is indeed a search for the purpose of the Fourth Amendment because government officials physically trespass upon a constitutionally protected area to obtain information. Just as the Supreme Court ruled back in 2012 that that sticking a GPS tracker to a car also counts as a search, so is marking a tire with chalk to figure out how long it's been parked. That's where it comes down to. The court added saying that the city is then searching vehicles that are parked legally without probable cause or even so much as individualized suspicion of wrongdoing. And that's the touchstone of the reasonableness standard, apparently. I don't think I would ever use reasonableness in a real sentence unless it was in quotes like it was here. Uh, I didn't really even know that word existed until now. Reasonableness. Anyway, University of Southern California law professor Oren Kerr, he noted on Twitter that he had never seen a chalking case like this before and said parking enforcement officers could sidestep this constitutional issue altogether by simply taking a photo of the car rather than using chalk. That way, parking enforcement can learn the placement of the car without physically touching it and marking it with chalk. I would think they could also just write down the make and model and color of the plate and then come back to see if the car is still there, but I guess that could be fudged, tampered with, whatever, but you can't really, I guess you could tamper with the picture, but if you have a time stamp on it some way, then that's pretty irrefutable evidence that the car was there at that time and for how long it was there and therefore would violate the parking ordinances. So on her Facebook page, Allison Taylor, the recipient of all those frequent parking tickets, delighted in the fact that the future law students of America would actually get to read about her case while studying the Fourth Amendment. (laughs) That's what she's happy about. She didn't get any money back from the government for having all those tickets. She just likes to have all these students then looking up her name. Her 15 minutes of fame, I guess. The decision affects the Sixth Circuit, which includes Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee, but this ruling will definitely have consequences for the entire country. And here's, here's one way I, I think we can handle that. Before you leave your car, you, you make a bunch of chalk marks all over your tires so the parking officer has no idea which one they made. <laughs> that way they'd be confused, and it'd be a little bit tougher for them to figure out which one is, is theirs and which one is yours. And I was thinking, well, what about just spraying your tire with something like Armorall or, or some WD-40, something that, that would make the chalk just slide right off and not stick, some kind of tire cleaner or tire uh, shine stuff that, that would just make the chalk zip right off, and you, and you wouldn't even have to have a chalk mark on there because it would just be futile that, that it doesn't work. And then I was thinking about that, and, and then I thought, well, maybe instead of chalking the side of the tire, they're actually chalking the the heart of the tire, the part that hits the road, because you can't really keep any armor all or WD-40 on that because it would just wear right off as you're driving. So that that idea has now flown out of the window. But what I see happening here is just like what that law professor suggested. The parking officers are just going to start taking pictures with timestamps and then come back later to compare the pictures and then probably have that attached to a ticket where you can have the before picture with the timestamp 
And then the picture after the violation has occurred, after a certain amount of time, on the same ticket, and then have the ticket printed out with all the information about the car and the violation and, the, and all that stuff. And then that can go on the car. That way it's pretty irrefutable that you've been parked there for that long. But I'm sure that technology will take some time to develop because I, I don't think any uh, parking officers have that technology right now. If they did, they wouldn't be using chalk. I mean, chalk is great. It's like I always uh, I, I learn lessons as I'm I've learned a lot of lessons in my life as as a reporter and and anchor. Uh, one time I was in when I was in radio, I was, I was uh, reporting on a plane crash. Well, here in Metro Denver, the, the, the weather was nice. It was in the 60s. I was in uh, uh, jeans and just a, a short sleeve shirt, and there was a plane crash. A small plane crashed west of Boulder. Well, it happened that it was really in Colorado. The weather can change very fast, and, it, and there's big differences between here along, like right in Denver, and and just up like west of Boulder, just into the foothills. The weather is a lot different. So I go up to this this plane crash, and it was blowing like crazy, windy. There was snow going, so it was in the 30s, and it, it was it was cold. And I had a pen. And the pen wouldn't write because it was too cold, and I'm trying to talk to the officials and get some information, and it just wouldn't write. So it was just very frustrating. So I learned that day that, like chalk, it works in the cold weather, a pencil. So I would always carry a pencil with me. Sure, there were, there were problems with the regular pencil, so then I had a mechanical pencil. <laughs> that solved that problem of cold weather writing. See? Just like the chalk. The parking officers have chalk that works pretty well, and now they're going to have to have some new technology that doesn't exist right now to handle all these new parking tickets. And so that's probably going to be a new um, a new charge, a new expenditure for all these different cities that are going to have to figure out how to enforce parking without chalk. Actually, it also made me think of the Denver boot, that device that they put on your car after you get too many tickets. And I thought that might be an unreasonable seizure, but I found a court case where someone argued that uh, that it was unreasonable seizure of your property. But apparently the court ruled that the seizure is not unreasonable because you've already violated several laws. And so they're taking the vehicle or holding the vehicle until those fines and the penalties are paid. So the Denver boot is, I guess, still okay. All right. All right, are you ready to throw out all senses of how you normally commute? Are you ready to ditch the car or the bus and maybe jump on a scooter and get on that bandwagon? Well, scooters are taking over America. And if you don't believe me, just look around. They're lying everywhere on sidewalks all over the big cities in the country. For most people, they just rent these scooters on a per-ride basis. But does it make sense for you to buy one instead and keep it yourself instead of rent one every time you want to ride one? To talk about all things scooters, I've invited Josh Frisbee, the owner of the website electricscooterinsider.com, to join me here on the show. Josh, thanks for being here on the Driving You Crazy podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, before we talk about the pros and cons of renting versus owning scooters, let's talk about how you got involved in this scooter craze. What's your story? So, my, my it's actually my girlfriend is, is from Los Angeles, and I... I, I was over there a few years ago, and I, I started to see a few people on the scooters. And then I went, I went back last year, 
and I saw the lime and bird scooters everywhere, all over the sidewalks. And I thought, okay, this this is really kind of blowing up now. And I've been following the trend for a while. Um, obviously, we have kind of Uber and companies like that over here, and I know that they've kind of invested in rental electric scooter companies. So really, really developed from there. And and as as we can tell from your accent, you're you're obviously not from the United States. So what is the scooter situation there in the UK? So at the minute in the UK, we actually don't have any rental scooters, or if we do have any, it's on a very low scale, and I haven't seen any. So I'm actually based in London. So I'm sure the first kind of flagship of scooters will will be launched in London. But I do know in the UK that they're starting to look at um, introducing some laws as to say whether you can ride them or you can't ride them or where you can ride them, for example. And that's a lot different than what we've had here in the United States where a couple of the companies, uh, Bird and Lime and the other ones, they just all of a sudden started dropping the things off, like you said, in California, and people then started riding them, and then off you go, and now the governments have to catch up. So it looks like they're in London. They're trying to at least maybe put the cart before the scooter, if you will. Yes, definitely. I think they're they're watching that trend very closely and trying to trying to get in there before before the kind of the scooters are deployed to the streets. But I mean, yeah, in, in terms of like California and, and in general, I think there was a new report released last last week. I think it was last Wednesday by the National Association of City Transportation Officials. It said that in in 2018 alone in in the U.S that there were 38.5 million trips on shared electric scooters, which is a, it's a phenomenal amount. And that, that surpassed kind of electric bikes as well, and those kind of shared transportation means. And, and that brings me to your study where you were looking to find what the cost advantages would be if someone would commute all the time, if they had the means to commute all the time on a scooter rather than a car. So what, what did you find out? It was quite um, shocking, really. So I, I suppose kind of the, the key highlights from the study are that obviously we've just talked about how prolific electric scooters are, are in California. And in fact, from the study, four out of the top five cities in the study, and there were 49 cities in the study, came out on top for the amount of money that the average commuter could save. So an example of that would be kind of Los Angeles. So Commuters in Los Angeles could save over $1,000 each year on their commute costs. And then kind of if we look over to kind of Seattle, so Seattle uh, saves slightly less than that, but they actually benefit from a much larger proportion on their fuel cost savings, which is about 83% savings on a yearly basis. Um, So, yeah, absolutely phenomenal savings there. But did you study just that cost or also the distance because there are people especially like even in los angeles which is so spread out where people live in the suburbs and they have to travel not just maybe a mile or two to their work but they have to travel many miles to get to work so does it make sense for folks who have these long commutes you know longer than two or three miles to, to do that the the study did take into account kind of the average commute um, of the average commuter in each city, I suppose. Yeah, you don't you don't really want to um, ride on an electric scooter when you've probably got about tw- like twenty miles round trip to take. Right, that, that right. would be quite a long day. Um, but one of one of the scooters actually used for the study ha- actually has a mileage of twenty eight miles, 
which is a, a huge amount. But yeah, definitely, I think for those shorter journeys, it, it definitely makes sense to do that for sure. In my eyes, it makes sense to do that considering the amount you could save. Well, yeah, and it's tiring. I don't think people understand that when you're on that for, for a long time, that it can be tiring on your feet and your hands and and in your legs as you're as you're trying to concentrate as well, not running people over and also being run over. Yeah, definitely, you're definitely right. Maybe you won't want to commute every day of the week. You could pick a few days for sure. We're speaking with Josh Frisbee, the owner of the scooter website ElectroScooterInsider.com. Do you think it's it's safe for the average person who lives outside the city core? but maybe even only lives a few miles from work to be riding these things down suburban streets rather than in a city core? I definitely think that there needs to be a few more safety precautions. I know that the, the kind of the press likes pick up all the kind of accidents that have happened on electric scooters, but I think that comes with any kind of form of transportation, whether that's kind of bicycles or, or any other uh, personal transportation devices. But um I think as long, as long as you're aware and as long as the roads that you're going down are fairly safe, I mean, you, you won't want to hop on a scooter on a very busy road to go to work, right? But as long as it's kind of not too busy, I think it's absolutely fine. Now, what, what would you uh, say to, uh, obviously, I would think you advocate for probably scooter ownership over these scooter rentals that are everywhere. If someone is interested in buying, what, what should they look for? And, and let's talk about some of those things. Yeah, so I think maybe the first step we could take so that we can talk about kind of Lime and Bird and how much they cost to ride. So I actually think Bird put their price up recently, but, but if we look at Lime, I think it costs about $1 to actually rent the scooter and then you pay about 15 cents per minute. Um, and to, to kind of put that into perspective, so if you were to take a Lime scooter out for like a 10-minute ride, it would cost you about $2.50. 2 but if you actually were to buy your own electric scooter, you could actually travel for about 30 to 40 minutes for just about 36 cents. So actually having your own electric scooter is actually around 95% cheaper than, than using a rented one. I suppose if, if we look at Bird, they've recently put their prices up. I think it depends which kind of city you're in. But I actually think they charge now $1 to rent and then about 33 cent per minute to ride so there's there's even further savings there the kilowatt hour that i'm paying is at about 11 cents so you're still with these electric scooters having to pay something for the regeneration of the energy to, to power it back up every every time so did you figure that also into the ownership yeah exactly i, I think when you look at kind of the kilowatt per hour cost by state and then you you kind of have a look at the distance you can travel on the electric scooter and then you kind of compare that to the price of regular gasoline by by state as well it's still phenomenally cheaper is it the same there in the in uh, london uh yes yes so what are the cost averages of these scooters can you get one that's the super deluxe porsche model or can you get the yugo model yeah, so you, you can buy scooters all the way from around $200 to up to over $1,000. The ones over $1,000 are kind of your your supreme kind of Porsche, as you were saying there. <laughs> right. But you can get a really, really good um, scooter that performs well for about $200 to $300, really. And are those comparable, the two to $300 ones, comparable to the ones we would rent on the street? Yes, definitely. I think when you look at kind of a lime or bird, I think they have a, t a top speed of around, I think it's like 15 miles per hour. 
So these scooters for around $200, $300, they do about 16 miles per hour and will have um, a decent mileage on those as well. And, and some of them even come fitted with kind of headlights so you can ride them at night. It's, it's increased your safety. Um, some have kind of LED uh, kind of, da- I want to say like dashboards or LED displays on them that will show you kind of your speed, where you're going, etc. But are they are they inconvenient to take to work? So like with a lime or bird, I, I just drop it right there on the sidewalk for somebody to trip over as they're trying to get to work. This one I'm going to have yeah. to, what, keep with me in my, at my office and let shove it under my desk? Yeah, but I, I suppose with, with these kind of, I think it depends on the model you pick, but there's definitely models out there that are very compact and very easy to fold and carry. So I think the lightest model that we've actually uh, reviewed and tested was about 20 pounds. So it, it doesn't weigh too much. You can easily lift it with one hand. It's very compact. You can even kind of store it on public transport as well if you needed to or under, under the desk at the office. We're speaking with Josh Frisbee, the owner of the scooter website, electroscooterinsider.com. Do you have your own scooter and do you ride it every day? I do. I do indeed. And, and do you have any problems there in London driving it around? I'm fine. I'm fine for the time being. I think we'll have to see what uh, the the change in the law is, and then, then I'll see how I get on. But I I love it. I absolutely love love riding them. And what's what are the looks you get while you're riding it? Yeah, I think it, I think it's absolutely fine. You know, have you ever um, seen they're kind of like electric scooters, but they're they're just one wheel. Have you seen those kind sure, of transportation? Right. I think they get. Uh, the the real looks of people kind of looking back, being like, "What the what the hell is that? What are they riding on?" But I think normal scooters, everyone's used them. In fact, they, they they're real like kids' toy over here. So it's like a, a toy for an adult, basically. Well, New York City is going to institute congestion pricing by the end of next year, and I know that London has already been doing congestion pricing. What's it like to live in that area with congestion pricing? So the congestion pricing only really affects you if you're driving in a vehicle within the congestion area. So I don't, electric scooters won't be counted into that. It's just more kind of vehicles, cars, lorries, etc. And do you think it's helped the traffic in and around London? Yes, definitely. I'll I have to say that I don't actually drive too much. I, I just get the tube at the time at the minute. Or so it's definitely definitely helped to ease congestion around the city. On an entirely different subject, one of my favorite webcams that I like to watch is the one at Abbey Road, the one that's made famous by the Beatles album cover. I, okay, I, watch, yeah. I, I watch that camera all the time, and I see the tourists there nearly get run <laughs> over every few minutes. Have you have you been over there? Yeah, I've never been over there, and I really should. Um, you can probably see me on the camera. I should go over there and wave. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're right. People, they love to go there and take the photos at, at their own risk. Yeah, exactly. I would wonder what it's like to see those tourists risk their lives for just, uh, you know, that same album cover picture. I know, it's crazy, but they can't get enough of it, can they? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's it's crazy that the Beatles have still have that so much, that power after all these years. Exactly, exactly. So if somebody was interested in getting or finding out more information about uh, scooter ownership versus scooter rental, can they get it through you? Yeah, sure. I mean, just come to um, our website, so electricscooterinsider.com, and we have all the information on there, and we can, we have um, 
a multitude of reviews of kind of the best electric scooters out there and what, what you should really look out for when you're choosing a scooter. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, uh, Josh. Uh, I appreciate your time here on the Driving You Crazy podcast, and uh, maybe you'll be able to get some of those rental scooters here eventually there in, uh, in London. Let's hope. Thanks very much for having me. And there he goes, Josh Frisbee, all the way from London. Isn't technology great? I use that WhatsApp app for that call, and, and I thought it actually worked pretty well. I learned from some others recently that many people in Europe use WhatsApp for calls because they don't have to worry about international calling with their friends while they're living in Europe, and it just uses Wi-Fi. And in this case, I was using the 4G connection, uh, not hooked up to Wi-Fi in the building because our Wi-Fi isn't the greatest in the world. Uh, so I just used my 4G connection on my phone. I don't know if Josh was on Wi-Fi. It kind of sounded like he was on Wi-Fi on his phone, but it was just phone-to-phone ca- uh, call, regular call there, which I thought was pretty neat on WhatsApp. I, this is not an endorsement for WhatsApp, but I thought it was pretty neat. It was pretty cool. We did an interview a while back with someone who was in Toronto, I recall. I, it, the, I didn't know that this person was in Toronto until I saw the charge on my cell phone bill. Because the numbers to Canada, they look just like our regular 10-digit numbers. So it was a the, the 10-digit number, and I dialed it, and it hooked up just like I was calling somebody across the city, and I didn't have a clue this guy was in Canada. Anyway, I'm, I'm now a little bit more cognizant of that, and when, when Josh gave me his number, I could obviously see it was from the U.K. because he gave me the U.K. calling uh, code. And so I, I had to figure out, uh, a way to call him. And so it looked like WhatsApp was the way to do it. But but I guess what this allows me to do now is it, it I'm more willing now and obviously able and open to the world. I can make calls anywhere now. So so if you want, you could send me an email to driving uh, you crazy podcast at Gmail. Uh, you can let me know your tra- crazy traffic story or transportation story, no matter where in the world you are right now, because we do have listeners around the world that listen to this show, which is great. I love having international listeners, so let me know where you're from and uh, if you have a crazy story and maybe a contact number, and we'll we'll hook up. Maybe we can have you on the show, and that we can do it through uh, WhatsApp, and it's free for me, which is uh, one of my favorite phrases in the entire world. So it's perfect. I I love that. Maybe we can get somebody uh, from, I don't know, Spain um, or France or Portugal or China, I don't know, someone else on the phone. That'd be kind of cool. Anyway, speaking of someone who is always wanting to be on the show, uh, I've asked our boarding meteorologist to run upstairs and join me for just a minute uh, to address a message that she received on her Facebook page. First of all, I'd like to thank you for this opportunity. I feel like this is big time. I mean, this is. I am on Jason Luber's Driving You Crazy podcast. My mom, she's going to know I've officially made it now that I've been on this. Does she listen to this podcast? No, she doesn't even know you exist, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's very sweet. Very sweet of you. Now, I don't really see what the big deal is over this whole thing, um, but let, let's go ahead and read it. Okay. And, and then, uh, so then we'll go through it. And this is a mis- message from Rick Franco. Oh, we're going to say his name. Sure, why not? Why not? Yeah, because yeah. I, I call out everybody on this show. Okay. And Rick looks like a, a nice guy. He yeah. looks like he's a, he looks young. Um, he looks normal. Totally. All right. So here is the message. Hi, Lisa. I'll preface my thought with saying you are excellent at your job. Thank you, Rick. 
what he's trying to do is butter you up. Right. Before he shoots me down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's that's the classic technique. You butter up and then you bring down. Which is why Lift I up, never I I never really know how to respond to these people because they're nice yet not. Well, yeah. Okay. So here's the big but. But you do yourself a huge disservice with your Jace stuff. <laughs> and Jace is in quotes. Do you ever notice that everyone else calls him by his name and you are the only one calling him by his nickname? Sounds so tacky and unprofessional. Yeah. Now, you've been calling me that nickname for a long time. Uh, listen, I have known you. We can just explain why right. I do this later, but okay. keep going. All right. Rick continues. I am shocked your bosses have not instructed you differently. Well, I, I mean, seriously, this is going to be the top priority for them. <laughs> My office is with 15 other people, and there is a TV in the lobby. When the news comes on and you do the Jace thing, I've actually heard people remark about how tacky that sounds. You would do yourself a big favor if you didn't do that. Just a respectful FYI. I'm really happy that there are 15 people in an office watching a TV, and and all of them are watching us. So that's good. In itself, right now, I'm already, this is positive. Exactly. So Rick then sent an additional message. And it was about three minutes after the first message, so I think he started to maybe feel bad, because then he writes this. He says, just so you do know, I am bothered to write you because you are my favorite. (laughs) I have a crush on you. Look at that. See, now he's really, really getting after you. People are not recognizing your talent because they are clearly listening to the nickname thing. But again, so you know, I am totally on your side. Take care, Lisa. All that's right. what it is. It's it's the nickname thing that's been keeping you from jumping up to get on to... Good what? Morning America. Exactly. Like, <laughs> if I did not call you Jace, could you imagine where I'd be today? Oh, I don't know. Maybe global. <laughs> Listen. Okay, first of all, I've known you for more than 20 years. I've yes. known your wife for a long time. You are like my little big brother. You're actually my older brother, but we're like siblings. Yes. And... I've had, on the flip side, people respond to me and say, it, it seems as if you two get along so well, you know each other so well, because you have this great rapport, right? Yes. Now, if this is really why somebody is not watching me in the morning, then I feel like I have done a disservice because I haven't given you a good forecast. I work hard to give an accurate, concise forecast, and if you're turned off because I say someone's nickname... Yeah, that's it. That's what's keeping you down. <laughs> I mean, because really, he didn't care. He, he obviously likes you personally. He didn't say that you have the most accurate forecast in in the no, city. No, He didn't really mention any of that. But he has a crush on me. Yes, he does have a crush. So personally, I think he likes your style. Yeah. He likes your swagger. Maybe what it is is he doesn't he, like you. He doesn't like you. So every time I say <laughs> no. Jace, he's like, oh, that guy. Oh, no, no. I think he likes me. <laughs> I think he just wants people to respect me and my talents and, and my vast knowledge of all kinds of things. Well, you know what, Rick? Rick Franco, is that his name? Yes, Rick Franco. Starting tomorrow, Rick, I'm going to refer to <laughs> Jason by his no, full- No, you did that today. No, I'm going to do by your full legal name. All right. <laughs> Jason Luber. No, you're not. Jason Luber. For all of you out there that don't know- that's his real name. You're not. You're not going to be doing that. <laughs> um, but you have to deal with these kind of comments all the time. I mean, whether it's it, some are weather related, some comments are clothes related, some are about what you say or what I say. But usually they're not 
weather related, which is a little frustrating as a female in this business because most of the comments we will get will be on what we're wearing, yes. how our hair looks, where did you get those shoes. You, on the flip side, do you ever get, I mean, rarely comments like, where do you buy your suits? Your no, hair looks never. awful today. No. This, so uh, as a female in a professional industry, it's it's a little frustrating. We're still set back in some ways. Yes, and y- y- there are a lot of times you'll wear a dress without sleeves in the wintertime, yeah. and, and the people lose their minds. I'll, I'm, I'm, I should be... I don't know, strung by my toes for wearing those dresses. You also are a driver. You have a brand new little convertible bug out there. So this is going to be the first time with some good weather, you're going to be able to put the top down, really enjoy it, have the sunglasses on. I keep wanting what? to say on on the forecast, it's top-down weather, but I'm always afraid people are <laughs> going to take that the wrong way. Listen, the car top-down, but it's... I'm excited. Spring is in the is in the air. So what is driving you crazy on the roads? Because there there are times you will tell me there are things that are driving you crazy on the roads where people make wide turns and then you've uh, mentioned, uh, I think, merges. The zipper merge. I'm like you. That really frustrates me because yes. I do what you tell me to do and take it all the way to the end before I merge in and people get angry. And it's that guy. You know what really drives me crazy is the guy that then is in my lane because he wants to prove a point that I shouldn't be there. Right. I mean, I think, unfortunately, it's going to cause major road rage in some cases. It does cause major road rage because not everybody's willing to do it. Because everybody thinks you're not going to get ahead of me. Right. And that's what it's all about. All about me! (laughs) You know, I really like being on this podcast. I'm just sitting here in this little audio booth, hanging back, talking to Jace. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it hasn't it hasn't been long enough to get too smelly in here yet. No, and we used to have air freshener in here. It was like, oh, it's here. It's the Glade. Oh, no, Wait, don't don't start. No, 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 no. Don't before get out I the leave, Glade. Don't. Before, it's no, this six. is not Listen, good. Ready? Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> oh. It's sprayed all over your phone. It's all over my phone. That, you deserve that. Cinnamon sticks. The cinnamon Glade is now all over you. Okay, real quick, before yes. we end this uh, amazing section with me on your podcast. Right. The other thing that drives me crazy, I mean, and this is just in general, Man, you just can't get anywhere anymore. And I wanted to take the girls up to Boulder, and I thought, it's going to be more of a headache to get to Boulder. I used to go all the time, drive up from, you know, Denver to Boulder. Now it's a process, and it, it takes you 45 minutes to an hour and a half just to go, what, 15, 20 miles by yes. the, what, where the crow flies? Yeah. And, and it depends on the time of day. Yep. Even on the weekends now, you're seeing more and more traffic. Across downtown, if you're trying to get anywhere on I-25, even on a Sunday, you're going to find stop-and-go traffic. Awful. I see that all the time driving home from baton competitions up from Westminster across downtown and back to my place down to the south. Jason's really good with the baton, by the way. I wish we could show you some skills. (laughs) He's teaching his girls a thing or two. I do the thumb toss. Actually, I do some junior coaching with the girls as we're uh, doing our, our twirling. This is, you can edit this all out, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. It's, really it's great good. stuff. Yeah, he, the best is when he does the baton twirling in a big giant red heart costume. That's even better. That's out there still somewhere. So nothing else driving you crazy? Nothing crazy? No, nothing really. I mean, gosh, we're coming into spring. Weather-wise, things are improving. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm no, good. you're yeah. good. All is good. All's Doesn't good. matter. All mm-hmm. life is great. All right, well, good. <laughs> It was good to have you in here. Now go away. Okay, bye. <laughs> hey, you know what? And before I leave? No, stop. Not on the... Yeah, oh. more Glade. Oh, look at all over my... Oh, uh, the Get mix- out. Mixer's ruined. I'm, I'm dropping the mic now. Finally, good. she's out. <laughs> yeah, that is quality. <sighs> I feel sorry for this poor reporter anchor who has to come into this room now and breathe all this cinnamon Glade that has been sprayed in here. You could actually see the liquid coming out of the can, 
coating everything it landed on, including most of my equipment. Uh, it's kind of gross. All over the phone over there and the mixer and the computer screen. <sighs> Perfect. But it, you know what? I actually kind of wish you sprayed this microphone screen because whoever was in here last could have used a breath mint. Anyway, uh, that's it for this week. Next week, I've got to talk used cars. I'm actually in the market for a used car right now. I've been searching. My wife and I have been searching for a used car. We have a, I, I, I'll tell you the, the big story. There's a story here. Of course, there's a story. And, and I'll tell you the story of the used car search um, coming up next week. And we also have a scheduled interview with Carvana. That's the company that has those huge car vending machines. Maybe you've seen them, the real tall vending machines, the round ones full of cars. Well, we'll find out about uh, their expansion, uh, not only here in Denver as they're coming here to Colorado, but they're also uh, expanding around the country. They're in most uh, metro areas now, and it's really changing the way we buy used cars. The Internet's been changing the way we buy used cars. There's new companies like Carvana and others. Uh, that we can talk about that are changing the way we buy used cars. And it's happened really over the last couple of years and really exploded um, because there's so many people with that uh, want to get used cars rather than the new cars because that is pretty much the same the way you buy a new car. It should be a really interesting interview. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So we'll have Carvana on next week. So until then, thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luba, the Traffic Guy. Be safe and as always, happy motoring. <laughs>